everyone. Welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. This is Taylor's version. Yes, because it is episode 182, and we're going to be talking about lots of things. Taylor Swift and how she's just dominating the entire world. Uh, Speaking of worlds, we're going to talk about Loki episode four uh, and how our entire worlds were shook by that episode. This is going to be like we're going to do like a kind of generalized check in. But that episode was so big that we're going to be spending a lot of time on it. Before we get into the episode, I just want to do a quick shout out to a uh, longtime listener and one of our favorite guests, Alicia Weinberger, who over the past few days uh, got engaged in Japan in front of a really awkward looking cow at a zoo. Uh, it's great. It's, it was on our Instagram. I'm not telling you her Instagram handle. I just want you to have all that information I just put in your brain. Uh, congratulations to her and her her fiance loan. They are awesome couple, and I've known Alicia for like ten years. So I'm so happy for her, and we cannot wait to have her, you know, on whatever talking about Dune next year. Because yes, season season five is coming soon. So yeah, Alicia will be on to talk about Dune. Because if we don't, she, she'll she disown is, me. I'm gonna give her a new title. She is the Dune Daddy. She is the Dune Daddy. And if you you're like, oh, why do I not remember Alicia's name? Because she was our thick mushroom daddy from the last of us uh review series from earlier this year congratulations alicia yeah don't forget don't forget to you know my efficient uh fees are really really good so that's all i'm saying so now or it's to rent taylor swift let's see how that goes <laughs> no, no she can't <laughs> the woman is adding literally billions of dollars to economies around the country i think she might be busy for uh, Alicia and Lone's wedding. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, guys, episode 182. And of course, you just heard uh, from the Padme Madala of anime, the human Star Wars encyclopedia, the co-host of our uh, mega popular um, anime X-pop podcast. Um, she was not born in 1989. Maybe she was. I don't know. I actually know what year I she was, was born in. Five, I was five. Way older. So, ladies and gentlemen, of course, you know my co-host Amanda Rivas. Hello, and it's great to be back. My, I am still shooketh by this episode, you guys. This is hot off the presses. We all just watched it, and minds collectively blown, like the temporal loom. I, my brain is malfunctioning at this point. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's going to be so much going on in this one. So, uh. Our guest today is someone who is never, ever getting back together with Marvel Secret Invasion because he hates it so much, except he has to talk about it next month with me on Bill versus the MCU. Of course, you know him as the podcast director of thepopbreak.com and the guy who puts the ads in and makes us sound like egotistical bastards every single week. It's Alex Marcus. What's up, man? Hey, Bill. Hey, Amanda. Thank you for letting me take a break from my long list of ex-lovers. I'm so happy to be here in style to discuss Loki, a show that I used to have mad love for. Do I have bad blood with them now? We'll have to find out if we're out of the woods. I can't wait to get into it. He typed that whole thing up while I was doing the intro. I was He's typing it up like he's doing the jokes. He's going to do the bits. <laughs> Why? It's because I'm in my eras right now, and that's E-R-R-O-R-S, because you know me, I always make mistakes. But we Let's start off by talking about Taylor Swift, who is the most dominant human being in the world right now. And you're like, 
Bill, you always make this shit up. It's not possible that she could do this. No, she literally is dominating film, television, sports, and music. By the time this podcast is recorded, her re her Taylor's version of 1989, one of her most iconic records. And listen, I don't really listen to that much Taylor Swift. Even I know that's a huge record. Her era's tour is not only the, one of the most popular movies in the world it's literally ruining other film experiences because people are literally celebrating it like it is a concert experience she's also a, apparently holding all the hot studios up in the air saying if you want the streaming rights i'll give it to you when the actor strikes over bonkers uh, got Good for uh, her. broke Ticketmaster yeah. and got legislation passed to like reform ticket sales oh yeah and like the NFL owes her a solid because she has increased the female demographic for NFL games by a like a, a mind blowing number. The ticket sales for NFL games, especially in the second market, going through the roof. The Jets game, the Chiefs play. The Jets are not a good team, guys. They suck. The second highest game of the year because she was there alone. She was there. 20 plus million people tuned in to that game. Not a bad football game, but also not worth 20 million football fans good. So, guys, how has Taylor Swift done this? Like, we all knew she was popular, but how has she become the ruler of the world? Alex, I'm going to go to you last, because if people don't know, Alex has literally been just just drinking in every song from Taylor Swift at every moment of the day. So, Amanda, how did how did this all happen? And it's not like it's a bad thing. It's not like you're she's there and you're just like, oh, she's the worst person in the world. It's Taylor Swift. She's, eh, how did this happen? How do we she, let this happen? I mean, she really, she really is. I feel like this is, she's right now at the peak of her career. I really, I feel like she's somebody that, you know, started off and people couldn't relate to her. And I feel like when she first came out, you know, you, you had I, fans grew up with her in their own way. Like they went through her experiences. They went through, you know, she dated quite a few famous people. And I mean, that, that, that helps obviously get exposure, but, but she still was very relatable with her songs, with her content. And I feel like you didn't have that relatable voice. That was what, what was missing. I feel like, you know, from, from kind of what I said, and I'm not, I, I like Taylor Swift's music. I'm not a huge Swifty, uh, but I think she's done great things. And I feel like she has a very positive energy and a very positive um, influence. Again, look what she's doing for the actor strike. I mean, that, that just is a lot of her character. Whereas I think we're used to um, some other performers having a lot of drama or, you know, there's, there's, there, there's not a very, you know, wholesome, relatable image anymore. And I think Taylor Swift is kind of on, on a league of her own in terms of, of, how she comes across and the causes she chooses she comes across in a very genuine way and people can relate to her they can relate to her music um you know so i i feel like she's that that's why she's so popular because i think more so out of pretty much almost any female artist i can think of today she is the most relatable and um takes her memes in good stride i mean i appreciate all of the fantasy football nfl taylor swift memes i'm i'm here for it <laughs> they have crossed my newsfeed and i'm just dying laughing at a few of them um and so but that's what it is i, I feel like she she comes across completely different in comparison to many other female artists and that's not to take away from anybody else but taylor has something unique about her that you you, you haven't seen in a while um you know and she has this 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 energy 
that you know everybody has a iconic singer you know you have madonna you have share you have you have you know they have their own auras and their own persona that makes them translate and go well through time um taylor has that same type of quality to me regardless of whether you like her music or not i think she just has that that it that a lot of other people don't have that's why i think she's so big it's literally just her and beyonce at this point pretty like, much beyonce I... beyonce is probably the last one i would think of that would that had it's that like we have moved past the days of the star and like now there is a vacuum where i think someone could fill it fill in it's like beyonce and hey anybody else want to join the party and she has and there are other people that are close but like for the cultural dominance no it's like beyonce taylor and that's it and i think people were looking for like you said they were just looking for stuff and it it, it crosses the generations it's the i know because i'm in the car with my wife in her 40s my daughter eight mom play taylor swift oh yes i will totally play taylor swift and they play that 10 minute song about jake gyllenhaal and they know the words to it and and i'm just like wow he wow the only thing i can think of is like dude jake gyllenhaal man you got you got burned dude (laughs) i have to say though i feel like for me the moment that i really started liking taylor swift a little bit more was with the rock doing his lip sync of shake it off and it just made that song come back up again and i feel like you know when you have moments where other people make her content viral again she didn't ask for it she didn't i think that kind of thing helps and i think just having more social media exposure in general again like with the memes i mean more males know or more the female that are the uh, football demographic if you will knows who she is now and that's really smart that's smart marketing yeah free and, free, free marketing and it's also she started in country so she got the country fans yeah. she did the pumpkin spice latte floppy hat sweater weather folklore albums and now she's a pop star i mean she did it all so alex i've, I've held you back long enough okay. just 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 <laughs> The floor is yours, sir. So I have a couple of things. I just want to start out with the most insane part, which is the fact that on top of everything else, we have reason to believe, speculation, but it's possible that she is also about to take the book uh, fiction community by storm uh, because there is a... There is a very strong rumor that a new film uh, that is uh, starring Henry Cavill called Argyle, uh, Henry Cavill and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. It's kind of this sort of like, oh, like, um... Uh, one of these like so a Matthew lot Vaughan. like the Matthew Vaughn is directing it, yeah. yeah. And it's and it's a sort of throwback sort of oh, what if a a fiction writer uh, is writing a spy novel and it turns out that it's real and she doesn't know it's real. She's like manifesting it into the world as it's happening and then she gets sucked into the story. Um, and it's been, it's based off of an unreleased work of fiction uh, book put out by Penguin Publishing. Um, and the author of that book is. A person called Ellie Conway, who this oh. is this is the the only thing we know about this author. This is supposedly her first book. Uh, we no one knows anything outside of what is written on Penguin's website, which is Ellie Conway was born and raised in upstate New York. She wrote her first novel about Agent Argyle while working as a waitress in a late night diner. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, Taylor Swift fans are pretty convinced that Taylor Swift is Ellie Conway and that she has written this book uh, during the pandemic and has gotten it optioned into a movie already. Um, and uh, Ellie Conway certainly sounds like a name that Taylor Swift would make up for herself. 
And something that I've come to learn over the last two weeks when I become radicalized in the cult of Taylor Swift uh, is the fact that she... The the offline conversation, it's just been like, (laughs) I have not not stopped listening to Taylor Swift. I'm like, oh boy. boy." Not only have I not stopped listening to Taylor Swift, I've also been listening to podcasts about Taylor Swift's discography and her career. um, And I watched a documentary about her. I'm just completely all in, like to an embarrassing degree, uh, because I watched this this, this concert film the Eras tour and I was just so incredibly blown away by what she does over the course of three hours uh I certainly have existed in the world uh before this point so I'm aware of who Taylor Swift was I liked the 1989 album I liked folklore uh but didn't really have strong opinions about her outside of those things uh but watching her entire career on stage in that film uh felt like watching my own life mirrored back at me in a way that was surprisingly moving because she's basically the same age as me. She's a year older. uh, And I felt like she has such an incredible vulnerability in her music, such an incredible emotional transparency in her music. And she's been writing these songs since she was 14 years old, which is crazy to think about. So we have truly seen her develop into a adult person in the exact same trajectory or not trajectory, but at least timeline that I also have developed into an adult person. And so getting to see all of it kind of smashed up against each other, uh, it really had a strong effect on me because I felt really connected to so many different phases of her life and it reflected back in my life. And I think that that is an experience that a lot of her fans really uh, share. And I think that's what makes her really special. And also she is just someone who is incredibly invested in fan engagement to a degree that truly no one else is doing. And I do think that's a reason why she's been able to survive the lows of her career because Amanda, you say she has no drama, but that is 100% false. I think her entire no. career on drama. Well, but it's, <laughs> it's not to like, she's been arrested or she's no. been like, like, like anything, like she's been in a street fight with somebody. Like, there's a lot oh, of that. Oh, that would be amazing. Well, First off, be, if she was but... in a street fight with someone, like her street, but... her cred would go through the roof. This like, is everyone would be like, yeah, that's right, throw it out. But like you're saying, she hasn't right, been arrested like, for, it... she didn't have the Robert Downey Jr. like right. fall from no. grace and you stuff. Know, she like didn't she's, have she's those not, things. She's not yeah. rude. She's not ugly to her fans. She's a good, she's a genuinely good person. I mean, like the drama oh, she had is like it's a relatable drama like the relationship well, drama type of stuff but not... i think it's relatable drama because of the way that she turns it into music right. in such right. a relatable way it makes us feel like we're a part of it. it makes us connect to our life and in that in a way that i think if another uh famous person had a similar trajectory in the spotlight i think people would be a lot less forgiving of it not that she should need forgiveness because she's just doing things like everybody does but we know what people do with famous people where they're like oh you're just like oh come on like you're just uh like you have everything why are you complaining about this right like people are just obnoxious to people who are famous right but i think taylor has been able to kind of ride those waves for the most part because she is able to craft amazing music that feels like you're getting an intimate look inside of her experience and sometimes she's very self-righteous and very uh cruel (laughs) to the people who have wronged her in a way that feels 
feels like mm. relatable and you want to kind of like twist that knife along with her because certainly we've had people who have wronged us in the past yeah. jake gyllenhaal uh and john mayer oh. um <laughs> scooter braun uh but well we've we've all we've all been there um but then also she is willing to be self-deprecating she's willing to put herself uh in the center of things and own her own stuff too like especially in this most recent album midnights where she, like she literally has multiple songs where it just feels like oh you went to a lot of therapy during the pandemic and now we're getting music about about your insight into yourself in a way that we hadn't before uh and that's really cool just the way that she's like has a song where she call it where she, you know obviously Everyone knows the hook of it's me high on the problem. It's me. Um, it's hard to root for an anti-hero, right? But in that song, she has this part of it, which I love so much, where she kind of sings about how, oh, it's so hard to be me because I'm such a big deal and it makes it really hard to actually live a normal life. And isn't that so sad? And then in the, the very next lyric is her calling herself out as being narcissistic and she says like look at my narcissism uh uh disguises altruism like some kind of congressman tale as old as time right so she's willing to like be transparent about a lot of stuff in a way that i think is just incredibly endearing and on top of that she's willing to reinvent her sound and explore new genres all the time in a way that still manages to find uh it always feels like a taylor swift song even though she's doing all sorts of different things, working with all these different kinds of producers. Now she's in the woods. Now she's, you know, have like working with the best of Swedish pop, you know, like it just every, every album is different, but it always feels like her because there's this authenticity and this, uh, this sincerity in the lyrics that are so clearly coming from her at the end of the day. So that's why she's my new favorite artist. <laughs> and that's why I've been completely I really, red pill. I really just wanted to, I just wanted to, <laughs> Alex just talks about like Marvel stuff all the time. I'm like, let, let's, let's Star talk, Wars. We talk let's, Star Wars. Actually. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's get it. Let's get him to toss some Taylor. But like, man, I want to throw this back to you for a second. But the football of it all, like you're seeing her up in the, the luxury boxes. Does that seem like an act to you that she like is reacting to stuff? Do you think no, like that's I an think, act? I don't think she is. I think she's being genuine. That's either. how she comes across in the in the media. I I I mean that's how she is. Like if you watch her in interviews, you watch her, she she has that playfulness. And I, I like that she she does that. But I feel like the NFL is just milking it. Like, well, screen, yeah, that's, that's that's like for sure. They're not, they're not. And they're just they're gonna they're gonna pan to her as much as possible. I'm just glad she's having fun. She's not aware. If she is aware, she's not letting it oh, I mean, her. she's aware. She had she's a movie aware. to promote and a tour oh, yeah. to put out and yeah, an album but, to promote. I mean, she's she's getting she's so not... much free publicity out of this. But I also, yeah. I feel like what's also helping her is like she like was with Kel the Kelsey's yes. mom. Now I think, and she's she's got like two like, and those she's, are some, she's like, not stupid. She genuinely, no, she's like, not I stupid. Think, I, she knows what she, those. I feel like those moments are a little but, staged, but. I feel like though her interactions are genuine though. I think like the fact they catch her like drinking and eating wings, they're like, oh, look at her. She's drinking alcohol at a football game. And I think everyone's like, fuck yeah, you're drinking at a football game. Go Taylor. As, as she All should. right, I agree with you. <laughs> also, listen should. to more of her music because she talks about all of the alcohol she drinks so much in so many songs, <laughs> just pounding whiskey and red wine all the time in her music. So it's I mean, not a secret. And then, like, she reacts like Kel like 
her uh, sort of kind of boyfriend gets like dropped in the end zone and she reacts like anyone else would. Oh my God. He just got dropped on his head. Like they feel like genuine reactions. And like, I I don't know. It it makes her more likable to me. I know people are like, oh, this is annoying. It's annoying. I'm like, well, guess what? There were 10 other football games you could watch. You know, I'm here for the fun. And like, like, uh, I think, you know, other people poking the giant celebrities. I need fun somewhere. Yeah. Other celebrities (laughs) kind of gently teasing, like what Lance was like, I'm not Taylor. Lance Bass from NSYNC was like I'm not Taylor or something or who am I dating or like you know you have other you're married other people kind of in the yeah it's like other your bars leave us alone come on he owns bars in LA I'm not calling him an alcoholic just to be clear (laughs) I knew that (laughs) but I I like the other like you know it's it's kind of the funny like well who's this person dating is they are they dating like a I think it was I forget who it was but is this person dating this person now or just I it it's it makes for fun and as long as it stays tasteful fun, it's it's fine. But I I feel like it's it it makes football fun. Little things like that, in a, in a way, make football fun again. And it's just and again, I'm here for all the memes of all the Swifties that don't know football. It's great. I'm like I'm like thank you. These are these are great. Thank you for entertaining me. Alex, do you want <laughs> before we throw to commercial break? Um, do you want to th- do you want to drop your um, Marvel Cinematic Universe theory about Taylor Swift? We said that Alex and I were talking. We really both believe she's going to be in Deadpool oh, three. The actual Marvel Cinematic Universe. I thought yeah. you were telling like the Taylor Swift version of the Cinematic Universe because no. she certainly has it. Like for instance, on Folklore, she's got the teenage uh, love story trilogy with Betty and Cardigan and August, which is great. Uh, definitely recommend listening to those songs when you get a chance. Uh, <laughs> but no, the thing that we were talking about that Bill is that is much more on brand for our usual uh, back and forth is the fact that we feel pretty confident that uh and actually connects to the teenage love story trilogy uh because in that in those songs uh all of the main characters are named after the children of blake lively and uh ryan reynolds uh because she is longtime friends with blake lively and ryan reynolds and uh bill and i were saying we would not be surprised to see uh her pop up as dazzler in a cameo in deadpool 3 uh, and if that happens, I really hope she is carrying uh, Mysterio's severed head uh, in that scene, because that would be excellent. That would be awesome. I'm going to tell you what. I really think all that. Maybe not his actual head. It, it, it would be like be the, the ball. The, the, ball. Go, the go, Yeah, like the, you know, the, the what is it called? The fishbowl, you know? The, yeah, I, I could side. definitely see that happen. And that has been rumored out there, and it needs to happen. So uh, we need a win after uh, the the 2023 that it was so guys thank you for talking about taylor swift we really raised our seo on this one i'm really happy for all of us <laughs> and uh, please go out and watch the concert you're like three hours that's ridiculous but let me tell you it is so well paced i'm gonna watch it when it goes to streaming you no know, you gotta see it in theaters with the sound when do the i have time <laughs> you make time for taylor swift oh! all right <laughs> i asked the two women in my house who love taylor swift do you want to go see the movies i will wait Okay, the wait. So it's, got- it's very just do yourself a favor. Go to your local AMC, stand ju- just outside of where the movie is playing, and you'll be able to hear the whole concert. <laughs> so <laughs> get it for free. All right, guys. So thank you for pre gaming with us. We are going to be right back after a few words from some other of our great podcasts on the Pop Break uh, Podcasting Network. All right, I have to go put Sophie to bed. Also, uh, Alex, you know, the Red Bank Indie Movie Theater is yeah. only playing the Taylor Swift concert. Yeah. Film. Well, I'm not they surprised make by money. that. 
they want to well, make and money. also it the secret of that is that it it's owned by count basies now and is not an independent theater anymore <laughs> oh no well i mean as independent as well they're owned by hackensack meridian so never mind so yeah, i'll be right back exactly Hey everyone, I'm Michelle. And I'm DJ. And we host Roses and Rejections, a podcast that talks about all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Each week we'll give you our insights into the delicious mess that is the Bachelor franchise. We also cover other reality shows and give you our hot takes on the good, bad, and all the in-between. Catch us every Wednesday during the Bachelor season. Or every other Wednesday while The Bachelor isn't airing. In the Pop Break TV feed, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Allie Nelson, and I love romantic thrillers. And I'm Tyler McCarthy, and I don't know much about romantic thrillers. Together, we host Not Couple Goals, where we discuss the best and, let's face it, worst in romantic thriller cinema. We cover classics like Wild Things and Cruel Intentions. And newer releases like The Boy Next Door and Deep Water. Sometimes it's just us. Other times we're joined by great guests, including some of your pop break favorites. So, if like me, romantic thrillers are your guilty pleasure, or you were raised on Lifetime movies like me, join us every other Thursday on the Pop Break Today feed. Yeah, go check all those great shows out because I promise that none of them will be people featured on this uh, episode. We will share the love. Yeah, he, now he's going to stick to it because he's like, I, w- I would call him a liar, but he was like, oh, I'm editing this afterwards. So no. <laughs> but guys, Loki, <laughs> episode four, we uh, I don't I wasn't ready for this episode no at all so let's start uh as many great time things do at the end because (laughs) if you've not seen the episode while you're listening to us you should have just listened to the first 15 minutes about taylor swift and punched out so i'm just gonna tell you if you didn't if you you were just mesmerized by that chatter if you haven't seen loki episode four bookmark us come back because we're gonna say something and you're gonna think oh they're just like lying to be obnoxious but like no what we're about to say really happened. <laughs> yes, so um, essentially the TVA and possibly time itself just ends. And let's just talk about our visceral experience to that because I was watching it and my wife's on the couch, like not paying attention. And I'm just like, I just went audibly like, holy shit, that's how they ended it. This show's over. And and she's like, uh, don't you have a couple more weeks of this? And I was like, yes, <laughs> because... I was not expect. I was completely taken off guard that we got this complete end and we watched our heroes all devastated in tears because they all knew they were going to die. And that was not what I had woken up this morning and prepared myself for. Um, I still don't know how to process it very well. Alex will tell me how to process it because he always does this thing when he says one thing. I'm like, oh, my brain's working again. Um, Amanda, I mean... How are you, how are you, what was your, just your visceral reaction when, cause you came on, you're like, dude. And I, well, so I'm just like, what's going on? So my first reaction for the very end was, okay, you know, you, you have Victor timely out getting ready to take, you know, his device out there. And then he just poofs, right. He just disappears. And I'm like, oh he doesn't God. disappear. No, no, no. He gets the yeah. Mr. Fantastic. He really does. <laughs> this is true. This is fair. Yes. They so promised he, us in episode one that if you get hit by that radiation, you will turn into spaghetti. And, and sure enough, we got to see it. He did. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. And my first thought was, okay, Renslayer or no. Well, I was like, did Renslayer survive? Like what happened? Or is it Brad? Or like, what, what is going on here? And I was like, he couldn't have possibly screwed everybody. That was my first like, so 
I'm still processing Victor Timely and then it's like everything you see the explosion and I'm like oh shit this is getting worse because I'm still here like well what are they going to do without Victor and where's the device and then it's like and that's happening holy shit and I'm just I see Loki's face and I'm still trying to figure out what happened with Loki kind of phasing himself like I'm still trying to process probably the last like 10 minutes of what happened still like thinking through it what did i miss i was still trying to figure out that loki connection and i i my brain was overloaded so that happened and i'm like ob casey like you just see the light coming in i know you were really upset when casey died (laughs) you leave casey alone leave my little short man alone um (laughs) (laughs) we stand short kings on this podcast yes we do yes we do especially if they are flamingo kings but (laughs) yeah that's you're welcome alex. i just was wondering if Al, i was wondering if alex knew the joke or not so i'm like they he's did. gonna react he's gonna react yeah. soon enough. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> so i was like what and then you just see everything wiping i'm like how are they gonna th- they can't make it through and then my other my then immediately i was like those are all people on these timelines and the multiverse is going to be a mess and what's happening here that's where i was at so it was shock and i'm like where's loki you know i'm like I'm, i was waiting for owen wilson to go wow i was you know that was that was that moment that could have happened i think his reaction got me the most yeah because he was like wait what's going on what's going on what's go-? like and he wasn't steady at all and like i was just like oh wow he was like a wounded animal almost like like and you're just like oh this is really bad well this, you this- had you had a variety of different reactions in that moment you had very stoic to people who panic in those types of situations where they you know that everything is closing and you just have you know shock oh yeah i my mind is so blown y'all alex help me out here because my I mind f- is blown. i feel like i know where alex is gonna go so okay so i have a couple of places that i need to go to right off the bat uh the second thing that i thought of when i saw this not the first i'll get to the first but the second thing i thought of when i saw this was the line from Avengers Age of Ultron went, of course, the classic Marvel movie that we all love so much <laughs> when uh, when uh, Tony and Cap are talking and Tony says, what if we fail? And then Cap says, well, then we'll, f- we'll do that together, too. And I thought, oh, man, these guys, they failed so miserably, but at least they did it together. And that's kind of beautiful, you know, it was. Uh, so I love that. Now, in terms of understanding where my head was, I'm going to take you all the way back to May 13th, 2009 to ABC television series, better known as Lost, to the episode, The Incident, Part 1 and Part 2, specifically Part 2, uh, People Who Love gonna, Lost. I've never really watched Lost outside of the first three episodes, so. Well, there is a the season a, five. A series. I know, it's a whole series of things. Season Polar 5, bears. spoiler alert, is a time travel season. I uh, that <laughs> The gang goes back to the past in the island. They're in the 70s. It's crazy. Uh, and Jack, our fearless leader, who is such a dummy, he gets it in his head that the only way to send them back into to the present is by blowing up a nuclear warhead that happens to be on the island. And everybody's like, Jack, don't do it. Everybody's going to die. And he's like, no, this is the only way because Daniel Faraday said so. And uh, and so he does it. And the episode ends with the bomb exploding and it cut and it's like bright light. And then 
nothing. And you're like, oh my god, what is going to happen next? Did everyone just die? What's going to happen? And I feel like that's exactly what we just saw. And I know for a fact the Loki creative team has spoken in the past about being inspired by Lost and feeling of, uh, uh, like that is a very meaningful series for them. And so uh, just a, a hint at what might come, and I know we have a whole section on this later, but just uh, to, to tie it to this, um, episode, season six of Lost starts out and we are in an alternate universe where uh, our characters have never met, don't know each other, and are running completely different lives, and they have to find their way back to each other. And we, as an audience, have to figure out what's going on. And I certainly am curious if uh, episode five of Loki, season two, will head in that direction. That's that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of creative ground you have to cover in one episode because you only got two left after this. It's true, but do we only have? two episodes left we have two episodes left of this season but do we have only two episodes left of this story who's to say oh who's to say because there's all the rumors of tie-ins and it's going to get here and there and everywhere so one thing that we know uh kevin feige wants to keep making uh new episodes new seasons of marvel tv doesn't is trying to kind of you know put a bow on the miniseries era of Marvel Studios and uh, giving into uh, the Jeff Loeb inspired uh, belief in making actual television shows. And so Loki season two, uh, Loki season one ended and we were like, how are they going to tie it all together? And then it ended with, uh, instead of an end credits scene, an announcement of Loki season two. And I wouldn't be surprised if we are headed for a Loki season three, especially since Kang Dynasty has been pushed back like a million times since the show went into production. So I think we could be headed for a Loki season three uh, announcement at the end. I think that there's a lot left to undo and to, to push the story forward. And I can't wait to see what happens. Okay. Let's talk about, I'm flying by the seat of my pants at this one. Spoiler alert. That's been three or four seasons of this podcast. Uh, Let's talk about. So far you have not exploded all of your friends though. So that makes you slightly better than Loki. Very true. Uh, Yet is the key. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> let's talk about, and it's it is a little difficult to talk about this this performer, but we have to talk about him because he's such a huge part of the last two episodes, and that is Jonathan Majors as Victor Timely. Um, now, again, as we put out there before, we talked about Quantum Mania. We do not condone any sort of violence, uh, especially domestic abuse. We are we are staunchly against that, and we support all victims. So. We're just going to put that out there. It's not awesome. We have to talk about this, but this is part of the show and we're going to discuss this. Um, and if this part, like, you know, you're like, I don't feel great about this. You feel for- free to, you know, just skip ahead and we'll, this is going to be this segment only. So Alex, I'm going to start back with you because when we talked offline, you were not a big fan of Victor Timely. You thought, in fact, I think the word you used in describing him to me was and the performance was borderline. Well, it's a phrase borderline embarrassing at points. Yes. I, he's I like for this. I, I like to see that. Just to explain that, and do you think that imp- the performance improved or the character improved uh, improved at all in this episode? 
Uh, so what I'll say about my feelings last week on the character uh, is that he's going for this whole absent-minded professor thing, which is this very kind of well-trodden trope about, like, you know, uh, these mad scientist types, right? Who's kind of, like, daffy and silly, and maybe he's a little bit mischievous, and he's, like, an agent of chaos, maybe, but also he's got all these cool, quirky inventions and everything else, and I just found it to be so broad and so over-the-top and so, like, it, it just, like, you know, there's that whole... Uh, uh, like Coco Chanel line about fashion where like, you know, you, before you leave the house, take one thing off. Uh, my man, Jonathan Majors, put like four things on as he walked out the door instead. And I just think that it was just way too much. In this episode, I will say that the they seem to try to like weaponize that to their advantage by filling in the gaps of his character with a lot of ambiguity. So it was difficult to tell in various moments, and I think this successfully and effectively so, whether the big theatrical sort of thing was like an act that he was putting on to ingratiate himself because he's actually more malevolent than he's letting on. And is he like that with our characters, with our friends, with our the Lokis, you know? Or is he doing that with Ravona and Miss Minutes as the distraction? Or is that just who he is and there isn't an underlying, like, mischievous uh, maliciousness to him? And we're just projecting that onto him because what we know about his other variants. And I thought that that aspect of the performance was very effective. Um, I don't think that we needed as much of the big broad theatrics as we got still but i do feel like they found in that in the second episode something that was a lot more palatable at least and i think it really comes together effectively in that final episode in that final moments where even when he's volunteering to put on the thing and everything you there's still at least when i was watching in the back of my head i was like well is this really him bravely set willing to sacrifice himself because he's actually a good man or is this all part of his plan where he's actually going to harness all of this time energy and become the evil villain that we think right like i think there's that there's still playing that ambiguity in a way that was effective but then when he actually dies like you get a moment on his face where it's like no he really was nobly trying to save everyone and then gets completely annihilated almost comically so <laughs> as a result and so at the end of the day i did find that effective um but it was a long road to get to that moment and then it all kind of clicked into place in a way that i think was was much better i would still say we could have done with about 20 to 30 percent less of everything he was doing um throughout but it, it it honed itself by the end in a way that i found was no longer embarrassingly distracting yeah i mean i was ready for him to pull out a carrot and go what's up doc and at one point it was just like it was completely cartoonish in the first episode and especially in the beginning it's just like what are we going for here and i thought like you did alex that oh this is just he's part of a he's a con man and this is all part of the act he's just playing this this like the eccentric when he's really a lot smarter and when that didn't happen i was like oh all right mm. but i feel like i feel like towards the end of the that first introductory episode especially with the stuff with Ravona and Miss Minutes and maybe that is because of the like I don't think we ever talk really about Tara Strong and how amazing she is as Miss Minutes oh well we probably have that stuff that they did with her basically being in love with he who remains and then puts her face on a mannequin that was, some wild shit, that was creepy some wild you know, shit 
You know what? In a show that is already has a beautiful love story about a man and the female uh, variant of himself. Uh, the fact that they were able to top themselves by having the fucking cartoon clock robot yeah, putting her yeah. body on a mannequin and being like, yeah. make me one of your real girls. I was just like, what is happening? I can't believe that's got in. This is insane. And I'm, you know what? If people were like, oh, Marvel's just goes for the cheap and the easy. Yeah. That wasn't that was no. a choice that was made. It was, it was and I such loved a it. Choice. It was a capital C, capital H choice, man. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't regret well, seeing it. And especially the way that she looks, the expression on her face, just in general, it's that hi, kids, <laughs> kind of like face. But then you, she, it just looks so sinister with that smile. That it just, yeah. And I the, think the, especially, the, I, I would say especially the fact that she did this to a man from the 1890s who has never even seen a talking cartoon yeah. let alone a tar- talking cartoon that is in real life and trying to seduce him <laughs> i think there was a great but that's not the best miss minutes part for me it was during this episode when they put them in the death cube and she is so yes. excited oh, that was, that was amazing I was like, this is great. This is so this great. Is, well, and I like the little Jurassic Park. Uh-uh-uh. Kind of like that whole Jurassic Park little oh. moment where she's like, I don't have access. Like, uh-uh. And I'm just like, oh. it's very Dennis Nedry of you. Well, oh. no, wait, while we're talking about Miss Minutes, I have to ask, like, and that scene specifically, do you, were you guys upset that we didn't actually get to see the mashed up pulp no. of those people no, in the I cube? No, I didn't want to. It's, it's sometimes better. It's sometimes it's, I, I found this with, horror and and certain like gruesome things like sometimes the less shown makes it more horrifying because your mind is now portraying it instead of like because the thing with that is to me with horror i'm not the biggest horror guy but like when it goes to like pure mutilation saw type stuff it's just like the initial shock value and then it's just empty calories the next time you come back to it it's like okay that was cool one time i it's not going to do the same thing for me if i go back and watch that scene i'm just like oh god i can almost you can almost hear like you could hear them dying and that's just, well, and oh. it builds up it builds up the suspense like you're in agony with them in the cubes like j- the cube just you hear the screaming and you hear the you know you hear just kind of the you, you see the visual and then it's just it and you that just stays with you and the suspense of like how bad does it look like you know it 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 it's just like what and then with uh with hunter b15 coming in and her like her expression too just seeing after i was like what did she i don't want to see what she saw like it it, there's something there's something very powerful about just straight pure acting and not seeing what they're staring at it makes it creates more curiosity and makes I feel that, like hit that impact better. I feel like uh, Wenmi Masaku, who is an incredible actress, who's been in oh. so many great things, um, has had an incredibly thankless job this season. She's mm. not really been allowed to be a character. Her whole role is to just look horrified as people do terrible things in front of her. Um, and this is yet another example of her totally killing that scene. Um, so great job by her. I wish she could be a person on the show again instead of just like a uh, the embodiment feel- of and uh, the av- like that's he's she's basically like audience avatar reaction face uh, as a character this season, which kind of sucks. But I but she's she as an actress is executing on that very effectively. Well, I mean, I just want to get your thoughts because I on timely just before we move on. 
Um, did how how did you take it in the first uh, the the episode three and then moving into four? Like, how was this character for you? His performance was not my favorite. I I think the intent, you know, was to create a variant that would make you question: Are all the the king? You know, we, we think king he's bad right off the bat. It's very it's a very black and white. You know, that's what we're led to believe: king is bad. All the variants are going to be harmful. I think the intent was to maybe with timely make you question that like are all the variants bad like look at the loki's like i think it's kind of an interesting mirror of are all the loki variants bad right you know loki is known as the villain that's normally what you think but you see these very com these very com- complex loki's is kang supposed to be the same way i feel like that would have been more effective if the acting choices were better here like it just it didn't stick for me i didn't i thought it was again very like you alex a little over, too over the top very stiff was kind of the just very you know it was like Kang just threw on a wig and here we are or like a hair and like a you know and, <laughs> exactly forget. and it was not even a well done like I'm like oh the acting choices here were not I didn't like him at the third like, you know I didn't feel sorry for him in any way or anything like that and that's because you know that's on the acting choices that were made I'm like you're supposed to make this character if you think you know if you're supposed to make me question whether all kings are are truly bad or evil, you're supposed to have somebody who's a little bit more likable. Yes, you have the likable con man, the absent-minded scientist, like like that's been mentioned here. You know, there's there's something about moments where they 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 realize that they're in their element, and you know, they they go with with you know the theory, the invention, or whatever that they have, and that's when they show their strength in helping others. But you don't get that here. He's just not, it's just a very flat performance for me in episode three. Episode four, it was like he toned it down a little bit more and maybe was yeah. a little bit more, um, you know, kind of like that. I think the moment with with um, OB helped. That's the, I was going to say, I think that's the one part where you really got like, oh, he's an okay guy. Because when, when he was with him and Casey, he felt more like he genuinely liked being with those guys. He wasn't right. trying to con them. Right. And I, I feel like they were you know, hero worshiping him, though. So when we think about Kang as a potentially like monomaniacal figure, uh, the fact that he is in that context, it does kind of play on both ends where you but, are like, well, he's getting along he well was... with them. He ca- seems to really care about what he's doing. But also, he is surrounding himself by like basically sycophants who are like, "You're the but, most amazing." But he was existed. also that way for Ob, though. He was like marking out huge for Ob. Yeah, right. He wanted him to sign the book, and, and he was like, "Look at my invention. Look what I did. I want to help." But, but like, was he putting I, it on? Was he putting but, them on? I honestly but, don't think he was. But I think when you're watching it but, the first time through, but that's what some it should. There. But that's what his acting choices should do. And that's what right. Timely is supposed to be doing. And he should have done that consistently between episode three and episode four. Have that moment like with Obi that really makes you think, you know, it's very subtle, like the hero worshiping. That's a really good point. Like you would mm-hmm. not think about that, you know, on first glance, but then it's like, oh, wait, all the pieces are coming together. So now it, it makes you question. And that's how it should have been episode three, now episode four, to where he gets, you know, spaghetti ribboned at the end. And you would have actually felt bad a little, Man, you know, spaghetti like, ribbon. That's great. <laughs> just, spaghetti you know, I mean, it was, I gotta say, I did, you know why it was so great. It was just like, it had the same effect as multiverse of madness. I'm like, Oh, they're not going to, no shit. They just did the thing. Yeah. 
And yeah. here's the thing, like, Marvel takes a lot of L's from people who are like, it's too safe, like you said, Bill, but this is a franchise now that has spaghetti ribboned two separate characters, yeah. and that's, I mean, you know, Game of Thrones did a lot of and, things, I never saw and, Game of Thrones spaghetti ribbon anybody. And he blew, I had a guy blow his own brains out with his voice, um, so yeah, let's not forget that, but yeah. let's, um, so one last thing on this, and it has nothing to do with time, but I feel like timely what they were trying maybe to do was just like, oh, here's like an original version, old timey version, and he's going to do something heroic, paralleling it to classic Loki from season one. But it just didn't have the same effect. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't feel the hero. Like, remember how he just is like he creates the he yeah. creates Asgard and then he is essentially killed by that monster. And he just oh, why does the actor's name totally blowing through my brain right now? I can't remember who played him. He's an Oscar nominee and I can't even remember. Um, just give me one second. Um, he sold that so well that it's like that was his one moment of redemption to do something great and something oh, noble. Oh, are you talking about... It's um, Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant yes, from season Richard one. Yes. When he was yes. like the classic Loki with the horns yes. and he's he creates the the mirage to, to distract and then he ends up, get, he ends up dying. And I felt like you felt something like emotional there. You're like, oh my God, he he did the right thing. Whereas with Timely, I felt like we should have kind of felt the same way when he said time to be tough. So I completely disagree with you, Bill. I mean, that's not the first time. (laughs) I think that the show plays that moment as both tragic and hilarious. Oh yeah, I mean. And that's not the tone of the classic Loki thing. So the classic Loki thing is this building dramatic kind of, this is a man who spent his whole life hiding and now he is choosing to sacrifice himself to prove that he is more than the reputation that Lokis are given, right? It's this triumphant Mm, moment. That's a good point. And here it's like this moment of like, we don't know who he is. Is he a good guy? Oh, he actually is a good guy. Oh, no, he's dead. <laughs> so I feel I like it's just a totally different tone. of, And so I don't think we're supposed to feel uh, that because they kind of turned it into a joke in a way that is pretty subversive, which I think which I kind of like, because I think that if we're going to I think that if you played that moment as just purely tragic, it would maybe make it, it would, number one, dist- distract a little bit from the actual tragedy that happens immediately after that when all of our characters die right so Mm. it is this moment this last moment of levity uh, before true tragedy hits and i think it also is just uh i I don't think that they want us to be that emotionally invested in kang and i think that that's important i buy that i get that so let's Let's move on to Alex. Another one of your your things that you were you had talked to me that you were having uh, some issues with, and I think it became a huge point of this episode. And it is we are back in the diner, we're back in the automat, we're back with key lime pie, and we're talking about the importance of the TVA, and it's between Sylvie and Loki. Yes, Sylvie. So, so I want Alex. I want you to posit your argument here, and then we are all going to. Wow, I just sounded like such an intellectual douchebag i'll remember never to do that again remember never to smell sound smart on a podcast um i want you to just you know tell people posit your theory and then we're going to debate that and see where we stand are we team loki 
or we tomb Sylvie. Yeah. So they they really kind of hash it out in this in this in this argument. And sadly, no basically... hash was to be had. So just, just saying. <laughs> well, because it's basically like this is the argument that they wanted to have in the finale of of season one that they didn't get a chance to because Sylvie pushed him through a door, right? So Loki starts out season two saying, "If I only had more time." Now Loki has the time to explain it to Sylvie and Sylvie has the time to explain it back to Loki and they both talk about why the other one is wrong in a way that I think is really compelling and it kind of fleshes out the uh, the, the central tension of at least this part of the show and then I think what happens next there's a million different ways it could go but it, it definitely was kind of this interesting place to put that uh conversation and the conversation is this uh is Loki correct that the TVA needs to be reformed. It needs to exist. It needs to have a purpose to protect innocent people on the timeline from Kang. Uh, or is Sylvie correct that you need to just, that the TVA is a corrupt institution. It needs to be burned to the ground. That the, the central organizing principle of the TVA is eliminating threats before they happen in a way that is unjust at its core. And if that is the case, can it be reformed? And I honestly think I was ready to have this kind of a big conversation of like who's right, who's wrong. But I think that the end of that conversation, it kind of lands in an interesting middle ground where basically it feels like Sylvie has kind of agreed to some degree that it it is hard, that Loki is right, that it is easier to burn something down than to fix it. And that it's not, even if it feels emotionally cathartic to say, just burn it down, that that's not actually solving anything. It's actually just making the problem worse in a lot of ways because you're creating this vacuum and you're walking away. You're saying, I did my job. I torched the place. Now it's somebody else's job to build something new, right? So that is really abdicating responsibility in the exact moment when Sylvie is trying to feel as though she is the only person acting out of responsibility. But at the same time, I think Sylvie kind of is right to push Loki to the point of admitting that in order to be the TVA as the TVA exists in any capacity means that they would be acting as gods, right? As the superiors to the people on the timeline. And Loki is forced to verbalize the idea of like, well, we are gods. But I think that Tom Hiddleston plays that line so effectively because it's kind of this, like, he didn't want to have to, that's clearly something that's in his head that he doesn't want to have to verbalize because he wants to say, no, it's me and it's Mobius and Hunter B-15, even though we never talk. Uh, and <laughs> we're, we're together, we're this team, we're righteous, we have the but at the end of the day he's like but i am i am an asgardian god and i should be in charge of this because i know better i understand this more i was bred for this this is my moment but it's like he so that's in him always and i think he's been really repressing it and i think sylvie pushes him to be honest about that part of it i think he's saying that with as little ego as he possibly can i think he's saying it in an altruistic way but i do think that that is still flawed logic because ultimately he isn't a superior to anyone so he doesn't get to make that choice for other people so i think that the ultimate place where we will end up is finding a way for the tva to exist as some sort of law enforcement agency of the timeline without pruning people without murdering off timelines without killing innocent people before they do something wrong just using the tech the time technology that they have to basically like go after kang what as soon as kang starts and maybe organize heroes who can help uh, fight Kang as needed without being the the arbiters of what is good and bad. But what do so you Amanda, think about all that? 
Yeah, man, I want to start with you because I got nothing in my brain right now. Well, Just like, uh, is that a Taylor Swift Easter egg, Bill? <laughs> Who's to say? I mean, could the T in the TVA actually be T for Tay Tay? Just saying. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, ultimately, the person who's going to defeat Kang is Taylor Swift as Dazzler. Because that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> or Taylor Swift as Taylor Swift. Come on. Exactly. Yeah, but she, but she kills him and reenacts the scene from Kill Bill where she's holding his head and just like over the table and everyone's like, ah! and then, you know, it's all the other Kangs. She's just holding one Kang head like that. And she just chopped <laughs> yeah. it off. I mean, that'd be cool. You but, said, and see, you said you had nothing in your brain. Look at all that. Exactly. Look at all, look at all of that. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> I know. I know. I try. I mean, I, I loved this scene because both of them brought up excellent points. I mean, Sylvie, you know, Loki brought up a good point of, well, we give people free, free will, but we can't just walk away. And it's, mm. it's, you know, it, it, this is a tough one because I've, again, I feel like both of them to an extent make good points. Like, you know, Loki had to remind Sylvie that, you know, that you made these decisions too, that impacted these branches and these timelines, like these are people and, and you're over here calling out Mobius for his reaction but you know you're talking about that these are the that that this is um that you think about this as a job and that you're you're not um thinking about these as people and you're not seeing the impact that what you're you, you're doing you you didn't even check your own timeline because you don't want to like you have no desire to go see your timeline you'd care more if you knew about your timeline um so she had just had this argument and loki basically kind of calls her calls her on that too like hey you're imp you have an impact as well like you keep forgetting these are people um and just you know but but you know sylvie makes a lot of good points too where it's like the TVA has killed people like this is it can't exist the way that it is, but you should give people free control. But then what's going to keep the multiverse and all of these, you know, we had this overall um, picture planted of well, well, you need the TVA because you're, you're going to have all these little multiverses. Everything's going to collapse and fall into itself if there is nothing to, to you know, to, to keep order. Um, but, you know, Loki's right in that they are that they are gods, you know, that it's it's and I agree with you, Alex, it's not said in a way that's meant to be egocentric but it is the obvious no matter how hard loki tries to relate and no matter which version or variants of loki it is no matter how hard they try to relate to the people around them they are not people like pure human they are gods and they have abilities and that's always going to set them to be different and they're going to to not necessarily completely relate to being human despite having obviously human emotions there's always going to be that God component. Um, so, I mean, to some extent, the gods have higher, are supposed to have higher knowledge, uh, you know, kind of be more elevated beings that are supposed to know how to handle this type of stuff that people really can't, that, that, that people don't necessarily have the built-in capability to do, even though people still somehow come to the rescue, which is great about being human. Um, but, but gods are supposed to have all this extra wisdom on how to handle this type of stuff. Um, so... I mean, again, I, I feel like there are elements where both are right, but I feel like ultimately it's going to be a human that makes that choice. Like, I feel like maybe that's where something where Hunter B-15 comes in and Mobius. Like, I, I feel like ultimately, no matter what the gods decide, humans have free will and humans are going to do what humans do. And it might be a human that finds that that middle ground between Sylvie and Loki is kind of where I'm leaning towards argument-wise. So the, the whole thing with... Ouroboros really is and him his involvement in his name just really is something that this is like could be complete red herring done for story structure but that's what seems like the TVA is going to it could easily be everything's just going to keep re repeating itself and the whole point of this like you just said is they have to break the cycle 
somehow because what's happened is SEC's like Miss Minutes shows Ravona, you won. There was a time war. You helped. You basically led the way to the victory, but then he erased it. And well, and the, doing the his cycles. Bidding. Exactly. Well, the cycles keep happening because they've all been wiped like every time. And so it's I feel like it's got to be somebody that can resist being wiped or just kind of hasn't got wiped, got skipped. I'm not. It's 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 a tough. So. So, yeah, there is there is a lot that has happened in there. And I think it's ultimately going to come down to one person making the difficult decision. And I almost want to say it's Ouroboros who makes the sacrifice and the decision to break it. And he has, because remember, he is the architect of the book, the book that inspired Kang. But he's he also, also was inspired by Kang. So it's of Kang. That so is what it, we call a bootstrap paradox, uh, which is a fun thing in time travel, where there is no actual way to find the origin point of an artifact in the timeline because it comes from the future, goes into the past, and then travels to the point where it goes from the future back into the past. So there's never an actual origin point. And those are my favorite thing about a time travel story. And so it does I'd... make you think that it is leading to some sort of cyclical time loop situation because those are core to time loop stories. So yeah, I, I do think that it's it's going to end up being a very messy resolution to what happened and so let's that's a, a non-answer to that question but um because i don't know where Wait, i stand what guys what if the loom blowing up is the moment that breaks the time loop that's a what good if point. that's a thing that never happened before because there was always someone there to fix it right and loki being there maybe he wasn't because that's okay let's get into the tinfoil let's get the reynolds rep out okay and let's start with that. Not just Loki, but Loki and Sylvie. Because what we learned from They're, season no, I did, one I did, I did, I did is Loki and Sylvie being together is the anomaly that kind of messes everything up, right? And then we ultimately came to learn, at least according to Kang, oh, that was all part of my plan. But what we also know about Kang is that he lies, right? Uh, so maybe that wasn't exactly as part of his plan as he was expecting. Maybe he really anticipated one so, Loki, not two. You know, my so, question, though, who was that second Loki that got phased? Like, So he's from, that's that's the Loki from the first episode when he travels to the future. Okay. And then he's, okay. and we see him in the hallway and he's like, oh no, I have to get phased so that way I don't keep t getting unstuck in time, right? And we're uh, like, oh, somebody did it to him. Who was it? I bet it was Loki. And then they're like, oh yeah, it was Loki. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was I did not get that connection. So that made me feel better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so because he, he phased himself because of that, does this play into breaking the time loop? I wonder because it's something that they never experienced before. Alex, I do agree with you. I do think this somehow breaks part of the time loop. And what happens is there's a reset somewhere and they have to get into breaking this up again. Like putting the final, the, the final nail is not in the coffin. Or is Loki phasing himself, pruning himself the reset? Like, are they going to prune, Loki's going to prune himself, timeline explodes, but somehow it goes back to the moment where Luke, Loki pruned himself in the first episode? And That's then back to the temporal too. loop being fine. I don't know. I feel like Loki pruning himself in that moment was closing the temporal loop. And then the, the loom blowing up could be a thing that moves us past the loop in the timeline. But it's honestly, they could go in so many different directions. It's going to be hard to speculate on what, what they will do. What I think maybe a more interesting question is what would you like them to do? So for me, thank you, Alex, for 
steering us on that one because I was definitely lost. Is we see in the com- the trailer there is the wacky waving inflatable parking guys in the parking lot, and Loki seems to have just zapped there. We've not seen that scene yet. So I think that goes into your lost theory where we are now in a totally different realm. And Loki knows who everyone is once again, but no one knows who he is. And I think where he is, he is in a jet ski emporium and Mobius is a jet ski salesperson. And that's where he is for that. And that's the life he's going to see. And I think ultimately the decision to be made is, does he Loki sees his life? Does he bring him out of that or does he leave him there? That just briefly made me think, what if we're in a Doctor Who situation? where well, what, turns, if, what if this where, is a crossover event? No, where it turns out that actually no, the not. mystery of, of, of Mobius's place on the timeline is that he is uh, Sylvie and Loki's child. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild? Wouldn't that be awesome? I would not put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him. (laughs) But that's also so fucked up. (laughs) I mean, what about what we've seen so far makes you think they wouldn't do something that's... Oh, no, I'm just just saying, yeah. (laughs) Miss Miss Minutes is in the background just giggling all (laughs) (laughs) I saw it happen. (laughs) And you're just like... Um, yeah, I, I think I think we are going to see Mobius in that timeline. I think that's what we're going to get here. And I, I, I think that's going to be the ultimate Loki's ultimate decision about free will is going to come down to and the TVA is going to come down to Mobius's timeline. I think that's the, ultimately that dis, that argument, we, that debate we were having. I think the, the answer is going to be within the Mobius storyline where it's going to be like, do I allow him to stay here when i need him to run the tva or do i let him go or do i prune the timeline or it's like you know what i mean i feel like there's some sort of consequence yeah if something like that happens what i hope is that it's not loki but that it's sylvie who's in the position to remember everybody and everything that happened so that way she has to face that choice of do i just start over and try to find a life like i did in Oklahoma at my McDonald's, or do I take what Loki said to heart and try to rebuild this in a way that actually can help? And I think that is a more interesting arc than Loki's arc of like, you're, you need to like be a little bit better about, you know, delegating responsibilities. I wondered <laughs> about that. Your story I wondered about of my that life. Too, Alex. <laughs> that's a really good point because Sylvie is pushing on the verge of like, a breakthrough this season like she's yeah. she's she's right there they've been teasing it and teasing it and this could be the moment this could this feels like this could be the moment where it's and it's even i think not necessarily do i pull everybody from their lives but do i rebuild the do i let the tva do i rebuild it do we have do we need the tva or we don't yeah and it would explain why doing this here instead of just starting the season on this note because you very easily could have right basically the end of season one uh, Sylvia has basically fractured the timeline into a million pieces and you could have said like okay universe reset here we go we have to rebuild things figure out what's going on I think that making it be Sylvie's arc makes these episodes matter in a way that aren't superfluous that aren't just like spinning gears for four episodes to get to that reset point because Sylvie was not in a place to rebuild 
after immediately after season one and we she had to get there and i feel like she is like amanda said very close to getting there now so that would really justify a lot of the events that i've heard some criticism about from critics who saw four episodes basically that was one of the big complaints that i had heard which was it felt like by the time you get to the end of episode four that we are at a point where the season should have really opened and that this was kind of a big waste of time which i don't really agree with and i think that if it's sylvie at the center of things in the last two episodes i think that that helps uh prove that that is an incorrect read on the on the show are we done with kang and his variants in this these final two episodes what do you guys think i feel like we're gonna get a tease i think we're done primarily with kang like seeing another variant just kind of having a a chunk of time like Victor Timely did. But I think we're going to get a tease at the end because I feel like either another season is going to have another King variant or if we go straight into a movie, you know, we're going to get some kind of direction of where King is going to be next. But I don't think it will be as prominent for the rest of these episodes. Yeah, I agree with Amanda. I think that the big idea here, like the big idea at the end of in Loki season one is like set up the mystery and the cloud around this figure. And then you find out, Oh, this is Kang. Wow. What a foreboding intense, big, bad reveal. Right. And then at this episode season two, rather feels like it is setting up in retrospect. It seems clear that they were like, let's subvert that completely. Right. We've made you terrified of this man. Now let's show up. Let's show everyone the one version of him in the entire multiverse who actually wasn't a bad guy after all, and we were wrong about, to put the audience in the position that that Loki and Sylvie were in in that final episode of season one, where they're trying to judge what like if they can be gods, if they can be the moral arbiters, right? We feel like, oh, they, she's got to kill him as soon as you see him because he's evil. And it's like, it turns out actually he was the one good one and that was actually willing to help and wanted to do the right thing. And I feel like that's the idea. And I think that you undercut that by being like, and now here's another version of him for the last two episodes, you know? So I, I would hope that they don't go in that direction. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if there Sorry. was a like a post credit scene tease or maybe one that was planned and then cut for various reasons um due to off-screen incidences you know so i i oh, that's i think yeah. you know there's that there's that line where like we don't need them and i was just like oh i wonder if that's a foreboding line we'll <laughs> find out one day um okay any connections coming we talked about the kang and credit we're we, alex you and i have talked about this better part of uh this year where's and amanda you too we've talked about this with different marvel properties where's the connection because we keep hearing about worlds are going to collide we're in a multiverse saga is there going to be a tie-in to you guys and to what in your theories uh in the greater marvel cinematic universe right now where do you think i, I think at the end of the day where we'll be able to place loki as a series on the timeline of the mcu is ahead of all of the multiverse events i think that really what happens is that whenever loki wraps up that is the kind of the multiverse that we are living in for all of phase four and five and six right um but but loki the events of the tva time doesn't work the same way in the tva right so the events that we're seeing is getting spread across multiple uh, like uh years in our in our worlds but were I think you gonna say, were you of... gonna say were you gonna say eras <laughs> i was gonna say eras <laughs> which would not make any sense uh in context no <laughs> but uh but yeah so i think that <laughs> i think that ultimately this is all one giant like uh sideways prequel to what the multiverse is in the MCU. And I think that that is, uh, you know, to that end, I think that uh, they will end up 
popping up. Members of this cast will pop up in the big crossover in a way that really matters. Um, but I don't think that they necessarily are building up like one particular big bad in their season. It's more of like the idea of Kang, really. It really reminds me of like, so when there's a big crossover event in Marvel Comics, they do a couple of different things, right? right. One, they have a lot of their big books have episodes that t- have have issues that tie into the big storyline. They have the miniseries book, which is like the big storyline, right? And then they also have these side issues where you can explore like a kernel of a world that factors into what's going on, but it really is just kind of like for yeah. like hardcore nerds where you're like, well, how does this organizing like body that we see in a couple of panels, how does that work? And here's 10 pages on how it works, right? And I feel like ultimately that's what Loki is. It's kind of like that side that 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 sideways tie-in to the big events to give texture to a world and to characters that are going to play into the big event, but like not necessarily feeling like it's a direct prequel or to to where it, everything is headed. How about you, Amanda? You know, the only thing if we're looking for where would Loki directly tie into? I mean, I could see some some direct kind of connection to Agatha. I, I feel like they're kind of there's still kind of that theme of I feel like uh, kind of out of this phase. If we're dealing with the multiverse, and I'm not going to count Ant Man in this, but if you're if you're looking at the TV shows, he didn't do anything um, to anyone. You can blame that Rick yeah, writer. Yeah, yeah, but he did the plenty. Only shows... He was kind of like a deadbeat dad for a while while he wrote yeah. a vanity book. Apparently, <laughs> I mean, I, I, he also, I mean, but he was giving. We had a deal. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, oh, it, the only shows that have dealt with the multiverse the way that we've been looking for it to happen um, are WandaVision and Loki. Everybody else is kind of like, let's, you know, we're all in the same phase, but it doesn't feel like it's in the same phase. It's here's the introduction. Here's the building. Here's, here's what phase five is. is. It's going to be this building kind of building up. And then phase phase six is going to culminate kind of the multiverse saga from what I still remember. Um, So everything else is supposed to get to that point. But I feel like so far, if we're talking about the multiverse at large, other than WandaVision, you know, um, again, you know, Loki and of course the multiverse of madness, we haven't really touched. And again, I don't know how the Marvel is going to do it, but yeah, no. Oh, yeah. No way home. But not a whole lot. Oh, not a, there's not a whole lot else in this phase that really has. Um, and so, I mean, you know, you know, I think, you know, Loki and Wanda were intended to set the stage. We just need the rest of the execution or at least the rest of the shows to start moving in that direction of, well, you have set these events in motion. How are we going to get into the next phase? You know, and 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 let's move out of the introduction to like the we should be into the kind of starting to build up into the to the kind of the peak of the phase at this point, this new phase at this point. And it hasn't for me, it hasn't happened yet. Um, I'm hoping that Loki is going to this will kind of jumpstart that maybe this is a jumpstart that this phase needs again. Um, and I mean, if again, if we're looking for something that may directly tie Agatha is the only thing I can think of right off the top of my head, where again, you have those those multiverse elements already at play, we could see some more movement from Agatha. Um, so can I jump in for a sec? Because yeah. I was I'm a little uh, full transparency, I'm a little bit sleepy. So I kind of lost where I was going when I was talking initially, but I remembered. So what I was going for, and this ties directly into what you're talking about, Amanda, 
So what we know is that it's building to Secret Wars. At the end of Phase Six, right. Secret Wars, right? right? Yeah. What is Secret Wars? It is a story from the comics awesome. where, <laughs> where incursions, which is basically when one universe smashes into another universe and they both explode, right? Uh, incursions start to riddle the multiverse until eventually every single universe collapses in on itself and create, and there's one kind of cobbled together universe uh, left. Uh, so incursions are a really big deal and we've gotten right. we, we, we were we had them named in multiverse of madness right we we're kind of in no way home it's kind of like alluded to that maybe peter parker accidentally caused an incursion or almost caused an incursion but yeah. uh mostly because of the production uh timing timeline on no way home and multiverse of madness they don't actually say incursion because because no way home is supposed to come out after but then it came out before so it was like they kind of had to like scramble that but i think what we were supposed to be seeing that we didn't ultimately get to see was that spell was about to cause an incursion and then they save it by making everyone forget who peter parker is spoiler alert um the well, next time we're likely to see an incursion is in deadpool 3 which it's going to come that's, out that's where i'm, I'm, I'm in going 2024 to, yeah. right so i think that at the end of the day what loki as a series is both season one season two as a project is us learning how like incursions never happened before why are they happening now this is why because of all the fucking shit that loki and his variants got up to and with the tva this is why incursions are happening and i also think that the tva is going to long-term function in the story as the as the agency the like shield was in phase in the first saga of the agencies whose job it is to try to deal with the incursions and they will ultimately fail and we will have secret secret war. That's think, a good point. That's a good so point. So you, you think we're going to get a, a Deadpool cameo at the end? Oh, that'd be great. No, I don't think we're going to get a Deadpool cameo at the end. Maybe we'll get like a scene like, a, you know, where it's like a cut scene from the Deadpool three that I could see, but. Oh, I no, know. I didn't. No, I didn't mean he was going to interact with Loki. I'm just saying like somehow. <laughs> that would have been fun. If there yeah, was a Loki I, variant. But I think Deadpool. that. I think that Tom Hiddleston could be in Loki in Deadpool three. Oh, shut your face! That's just that would a, be amazing. That's just a joy and a but half, right there. Alex, you brought up a good point about kind of how everything was released, because that that's a really good point too. That there were, you know, like No Way Home was supposed to be released before. That makes a big impact in storytelling. It was supposed to be released after, and it or ended after, up being released before. Yeah, so they yeah. were like, "Here, Multiverse of Madness will establish." multiverses and incursions and all this stuff and then we'll make spider-man and then sony was like listen we don't care about a pandemic we're releasing our movie by the end of the year and they're like okay <laughs> let's rewrite yeah. it in the middle of production uh try to to make it work <laughs> all right uh, any final th theories that you guys have about how the series goes or anything else you want to discuss before we close it out for the episode miss minutes is going to creep us out even more i feel like oh, we're not we're not done man. we're not done with creepy miss minutes we just got a taste of psychopath miss minutes and we're only gonna get more i'm scared legitimately scared this is ai scariest version yet <laughs> it's, it's it they kill you with kindness literally i i think of the characters who are not going to make it out i think ob and i think miss minutes i don't think either of them make it out by the end of the season i think that we saw miss minutes die and i think that miss minutes think, will yeah. return as a rebooted ai and I do not think she will be the Miss Minutes that we know. They made a real strong point to make to make us understand that Miss Minutes developed into who she is today 
by existing okay. and learning and growing yeah. over millennia, right? And I think that we really, by the way that she like gets shut down in this episode, it's not just she gets turned off. We see her kind of like cycle through past True. iterations of who she was until like the least sophisticated version. And so I think that if she, I think she will come back because she's such an iconic image that like I don't think Marvel could could uh, contain themselves. I don't think that they would manage to like kill her for good. Um, but I do think that when she comes back, she will be just like a serviceable, you know, AI and be like, I'm, I'm fine. And you're like, uh Oh, I know what she could become if we don't rein her in. But uh, who I think is popping back up that uh, we're not done with is Ravona because she was oh, no, not she's there. Definitely coming yeah. back. She's hundred percent coming back. She was not there when it all blew up. And if we remember, she gets pruned, but pruned from season in, in episode four of season one, Loki gets pruned, and then we find out, oh, he wasn't dead. He was sent to the end of time. So uh, Ravona getting pruned in episode four of season two, I think, is her getting out of being part of that explosion. And I wonder, uh, there's just a lot of storytelling potential that you could have for that. For that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it if she's just the big bad going forward for a lot of stuff. Sure. Because I mean, I, listen, Gugu Mbathara had awesome. to be in season one of The Morning Show, and for that, she deserves to be the, always the gets a morning star show of the reference. MCU. <laughs> always, Alex, always getting a morning show reference but, in any podcast I'm on with him. But since she got pruned by Brad, who was under control by uh, Sylvie, Brad. what Brad, that douche. Um, Brad. But, but he was under mind control by sylvie to face yeah. her to, to face her out so why wouldn't he just kill her instead of well i think her? that sylvie is thinking about that as killing because okay. what we know is that like there was a whole big like land at the end of time and most of it has been obliterated by now so there's not really a lot of places for her to pop back up so True. but i do think that she's going to find herself back in that same place and i think that in that moment sylvie was like i'm not going to make the same mistake and send you to kang's lair i'm going to kill you like i should have in the first place but i think sh by pruning her instead of like shooting her in the chest or something uh i think that she ultimately will have done the same thing anyway and just sent her back to to the end of time where she can regroup all right i like that i, I like it a lot all right guys that concludes our mid-season report on loki because we just had to focus on this episode because it was such a game changer and thank you for joining us guys i want you to not only tell us where people can find you on social media but what you were going to be for halloween this year and if you're not going to be something for halloween this year alex make it up so amanda tell people where they could find you online and what are you you are the queen of costumes what are <laughs> what like what are you pulling from the closet for halloween and what is young seth gonna be well young seth will be mando for Halloween. I so he is he is this is the way. He is he is ready. Um I do have to work <laughs> right before so I won't get to be Ahsoka because I'm not going to have time. It takes me probably about an hour hour and a half to do the full makeup. Um so I don't want to miss trick or treating with him. So I am either going to be I actually I think I'm going to be Princess Leia um or uh so tomorrow we're actually having halloween over at the wrestling school so i'll be hella as well i'm gonna bring her back nice. from rag and rock uh i love her she is she's still my favorite villain we didn't get gonna hella. recreate the image from behind the scenes of thor ragnarok where it's hella like kate blanchett in full hella gear looking at an ipad while taiko atiti brandon could be the short king I, taiko atiti i would like to do that if he's down for i think he'll do it <laughs> so uh so yes so it's gonna be 
it might be Hella for both days, or at least part of the weekend, or Princess Leia. But I think it's going to be Princess Leia on Halloween, just so I can keep with the Star Wars theme with with Seth. Um, so social media, you can find me at Amandalorian on Instagram and Threads, uh, and our cosplay account is at Brandalorian uh, on Instagram as well. Uh, we, we, we're putting that out there in the universe and uh, and showing showing all our cool cosplays that we've done so far. We have more in the works, so I'm super excited, including maybe a little Sandman in the future. Uh, there's your teaser. So um, <laughs> so we're doing that. Uh, and then I'm at Reznor Schick on X, and we just dropped our new episode of Anime Pop here a couple of days ago uh, with my co-host Josh Sarnecki. We talked about My Happy Marriage and Spy Family, which if we're doing a pop culture recommendation, if anybody has not seen Spy Family, you should. Uh, we have christened Anya as the Grogu of the anime world because she is uh, adorable, adorable. And Bond she also kill endangered species just for a snack. <laughs> we don't know yet. <laughs> She's a telepath. You never know. And she wants to be a spy like her her her, her uh, adoptive dad. So you never know what's in Anya's future. Um, so so we did our episode on that. And Brandon and I were also guests on Not Couple Goals with Tyler and Allie. That was a great episode. We did a Halloween edition and we covered The Fly. And y'all, my thirst for Jeff Goldblum is real. As always, yeah. we got the story from Allie, like the best Jeff Goldblum story ever. Alex, you heard it. It's fantastic. Oh, um, I haven't listened to it yet. I got I got to Oh, Ali Ali fixes what Tyler shared here on <laughs> socially distanced and it's epic. It's so much more. Oh, it was glorious. Um so and of course we talk about why the fly is a romantic thriller after all. So check us out. Let's check out all the good stuff there. Alex, uh your Halloween costume and where can people find you on the internet and all the shows you do for the pop break? Yeah, so my Halloween costume is obviously I'm going to be nice guy Ed. Look it up. Uh uh, deep cut for Taylor fans. Uh, <laughs> as for the shows that I'm doing, uh, you can follow the show that me and Bill do, uh, Bill versus the MCU. Uh, we are right in the thick of things. Season four, Agents of Shields. We're in 2017. That imagine being nostalgic for 2017, uh, <laughs> but that's where that's what we're doing, and it's it's such an epic epic season of television. If you feel burnt out by marvel lately go back do yourself a favor watch season four of agents of yeah. shield and listen to our coverage because it is dynamite from start to finish um our uh, guest from last month was um uh, sp rupert uh from the legends of shield podcast he has been podcasting on the mcu for a full decade uh doing weekly episodes for a full decade uh he has a lot of really cool interesting things to say in our interview definitely check that out we have really fun uh episode planned for this uh uh, coming month uh, when it comes to the end of season four and then we're going to be covering uh, the Marvels and Secret Invasion and Loki I'm going to give Secret Invasion another shot I'm going to do the I'm going to do the work and I'm going to rewatch the whole season and we'll see if I'm as apoplectic by the end of it as I was this time the first time around uh, yeah. you can check that out it's going to be really fun TV break coming back next week uh, we're, we're reviewing Marvel favorite uh, Brie Larson's new Apple TV plus show and uh, I think that is going to be a very interesting discussion that me, Bill, and Josh have. It's called Lessons in Chemistry. Uh, I gotta please watch, watch it. the first two episodes of that show. Really important that you watch episode one and two. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to our listeners. <laughs> no, you were talking to me. 
<laughs> oh, I know when you're talking. And uh, and also, I'm going to be in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be on uh, Derek McDuff's great Marvel podcast, Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones, uh, to talk about the Marvels and Loki season two. So check, look out for that in the coming weeks. As for me, uh, it's a full family uh, uh, Halloween this year. Uh, I am going to be Peter B. Parker from Across the Spider Verse. Uh, my daughter is going to be Ahsoka, which uh, Amanda got a preview of. Uh, she's great. very, very excited. And my wife, for the first time ever, is doing more than putting a witch's hat on. Uh, and she is going to be Velma. So congratulations to me. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, pop, I was thinking the same. I was like, wait, pop no, myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. Trust me. I, it was not lost on me. My daughter's like, you should be Velma. And I'm like, yeah, you should. I win. Uh it's like, why did you say that? I'm like, don't worry about it. Uh, so as for me, I'm we're so confused. Could... I don't get what this is a reference to. <laughs> Vel- Velma from Scooby-Doo? Velma from Scooby-Doo? No, I, I just don't know there's, why that's... There's, there's, there's thirst. There's a lot of thirst for Velma out there. There's... What's going on underneath the sweater is what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I have an idea. Linda so... I mean, the... let's, let's that's what start. was going on. Let's not start. So I have to get through this podcast. Uh, We then, uh, if you want to follow me on uh, X, I am at Bodkin Writes, but most importantly, thepopbreak.com. Been doing this for 14 years. Follow us on all forms of social media at The Pop Break. Uh, As I said last week, we apologize for some of the the site being down quite a bit. Uh, We are fixing that this weekend. So go enjoy uh, the site on Monday when everything's going to be running real smooth. I got a lot of written stuff out this past week, so I want you to go check out there. I I wrote about Werewolf by Night and Color, uh, which is actually not uh, a a cheap gimmick. It actually works pretty well. Uh, I wrote about... um, the Great British Baking Show, which I also made my uh, debut on Roses and Rejections, which will be out next week, where I talk with DJ and Michelle about that. And I break out my culinary experience being a food reporter for 10 years, which a lot of people don't know. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Alex talked about all the podcasts we did. I also will have a review of Netflix's Fall of the House of Usher coming out real soon. And as for the future, who knows what that holds. But for this podcast... Uh, we are going to be heading to the TARDIS because we have a Doctor Who episode coming out where we're going to be talking about our favorite doctors and making the case on who is the best doctor. Alex will be a part of that podcast. Amanda will be part of that podcast. I'm hoping to get Al back on. I know Tyler McCarthy is going to be joining us because he is very excited to talk about Matt Smith. And I feel like I'm going to be forced to talk <laughs> positively about peter Pacal capaldi and i think i can after that we're going to be doing our nfc east group therapy session we're talking the loki season finale maybe the marvels is if everyone sees it we're going to go into our christmas break come back for doctor who and then it's going to be our holiday specials so we're wrapping up season four so thank you for staying with us uh and listening to all our stuff and remember being your best